It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your other host, James Rapine. James, right now we are in the middle of two Monday night football games that are all AFC North. And if Joe Burrow were healthy, this might be a pretty exciting time to be a fan of a team in the AFC North because if Joe Burrow were healthy, maybe the Bengals win their last three games against questionably talented teams and they're going into the Steelers game hot. Instead, Bengals fans watched the Ravens and the Browns last night on Monday night play a shootout, a very entertaining game that will be in stark contrast to what we expect next Monday night when the Bengals host the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's talk about the AFC North a little bit, given that context, given where we're at in the schedule, and then we'll get into our weekly mailbag. How's that sound for an episode, James? Sounds awful, Jake. No, it sounds good. I'm excited. You know mailbags are my favorite. Get out of here. You know mailbags are my favorite. The first the first segment's going to be a cold dose of reality, but the, the next two are going to be fun. Everybody loves a good mailbag. Even Steve from Blue's Clues. I think mostly Steve. Is it still Steve? Have you watched Blue's Clues lately? Is that still on? I don't know. Somebody will let us know, though. Let's get started with that conversation about the current state of the AFC North and the uphill battle the Bengals have, even with Joe Burrow, to get back into this division. James, in the spirit of the AFC North, that Monday Night Football is really embracing in Week 14 and Week 15 of this NFL season. We could have had a lot of excitement this week with Joe Burrow if he was going to go against Pittsburgh for a second time. I was really looking forward to seeing Joe Burrow against Pittsburgh and Baltimore for a second time. Instead, the Bengals feel farther away from this division than they have since before Marvin Lewis came to Cincinnati And that, I think, is saying quite a bit. I mean, you look at the last four or five years even, the Bengals have effectively become the Browns of the AFC North, while the Browns appear to be the Bengals of the early 2010s and late 2000s. That's a good way to put it. They've essentially flipped. And it's scary because the the Bengals, for all of their flaws throughout the, the Marvin Lewis era, they're able to sneak in and win a division title here and a division title there. Uh, you know, you win three division titles uh, against a future Hall of Famer in Big Ben, a Super Bowl winner in, in Joe Flacco at the time, now an MVP in Lamar Jackson. You know, that that's tough enough, but now the Browns are relevant. And I think when you watched Monday night, 
you realized, oh, God, like this is how far away they are. And that's why when we talk about Zach Taylor, he's a nice guy. He's a guy that might end up being a good offensive play caller and a good coach, maybe even a good head coach one day. But in the the era that you're currently in, in your present state, he's 424 and one. And the three guys you're competing against are Kevin Stefanski, Mike Tomlin, and John Harbaugh. All three of them have proven much, much more than Zach Taylor, even a guy like Stefanski who walked into a kind of a windhouse situation in Cleveland, which is hard to do since they've because they've been bad for two decades. And he's doing exactly that. So they uh, it feels like they're miles away and, and it starts with coaching. And then from there, it's it's roster building this offseason. They don't have to be miles away because they have Joe Burrow, right? They have arguably, uh, you know, the first or second best quarterback when healthy in the division. I think that's OK to say. Um, but with that said, they're still miles away and it starts with roster building. But first, you got to figure out what you're going to do at head coach, because clearly you have the fourth best head coach in the division. And it's even more than head coaching. And head coaching is certainly a big part of this because Taylor has picked all of his assistants. They've got to get better with player development. There was an interview with Darren Simmons where he said he pointed out, I guess, that, you know, the the crazy streak of luck or bad luck, I should say, that the Bengals have had with their first round picks. Jonah Williams missing a season. Joe Burrow missing part of a season, not getting an offseason. Go back to William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick. I mean, you name a first-round pick for the Bengals, Billy Price, they've been hurt their rookie year. And Simmons was talking about how far behind the eight ball it puts rookies in terms of development if they don't get that first year in the NFL, the amount of learning that can happen in that year when that gets delayed, when you're a year older, when you're a year off of football, how much that stunts development. Now, the important thing for the Bengals is going to be to realize that's not all it is. It's not just bad luck. Player development needs to get better, which means you need better assistant coaches that can use the players they've got to their strengths and find a way to get them to improve in the NFL. This is something, if you look at the previous Bengals draft classes, look look back five years. Maybe this is a criticism of Duke Tobin, or maybe it's just a function of coaching failure. Because at the time of all these drafts, we looked at them and thought there was at least some promise there. And you look back now, And their hit rate in their last few drafts is pretty embarrassing, especially when you compare it to the rest of the division. There's a reason that Pittsburgh and Baltimore are consistently good. There's a reason Cleveland is good right now. The the former two, the old guard, consistently hit in drafts and develop players. And Cleveland has had crazy draft capital and keeps going through coaches until they found the right guy. And now... With all that draft capital, all those rookie contracts, maybe with the head coach that's the right guy in Stefanski, the Bengals have a lot of work to do to catch up. And the key is, if you haven't drafted well, which obviously the Bengals haven't, you know, they have some pieces, but they're not all there. Well, Burroughs is in a rookie deal, rookie contract. You have to take advantage of that. So the Browns have kind of given you the blueprint. You have to be aggressive. Go after it in free agency. The Browns haven't drafted well, but what did they do? They went out and got Sheldon Richardson. They went out and got Jack Conklin. You know, they're, they're going to spend. They're going to push it, and you have to push it. They extended Miles Garrett to a huge contract extension, all while trading for Jarvis Landry a few years ago, trading for Odell Beckham Jr., 
And not everything's going to work out, but you have to be aggressive. And that's why when the Bengals were aggressive last offseason, I liked it. And obviously it hasn't worked out for the most part, specifically on defense, right? But I still liked it and I will applaud them for it. And I hope they do that again this offseason, because if they're going to sit on their hands and try to draft and develop, well, then Joe Burrow is going to be making 40 plus million dollars by the time you're relevant again. And the Bengals cannot afford to do that. Aggressiveness is the key to kind of make up for what they've lost with bad drafts over the past few years. And there's a couple of things that I find really interesting about that idea. And you talked about how you were a fan of their aggression last offseason. Look at them this offseason. That didn't hurt them from a cap perspective. They still have all this money to spend. So this idea that they can't spend in free agency because of future obligations, which I think has been thoroughly debunked at this point, but in case you needed another point of evidence, they just spent a ton of money last offseason. They have a ton of money this offseason too, and they have expendable contracts. So there's that. And then the other point I wanted to make, you, you talk about the Browns as a model. I like the Bills as a model. This has been growing on me quite a bit lately. The way that they've gone about building that roster around Josh Allen, building the roster and the, and the offense for Josh Allen. I mean, what a, what a breakout for him, right? They go out and get Stefan Diggs. They attack the offensive line with that shotgun approach. We talked to Brad about on yesterday's episode. There's a couple models out there. They're all over the place. You just have to execute. You have to make the good decisions, get the right guys in the building. And who did the Bills bring in? Sean McDermott, right? A, a guy who's offensive coordinator, probably going to get hired this offseason as well. So they got it right as well at head coach. Up next, it's time for the midweek mailbag, our favorite time of the week where we answer your questions. But you hear me talk about it all the time, and Jake talks about it, and you guys know how much I'm in love with them. The number one protein bar on the planet, Built Bars. I got one right here. Jake can see as I hold it up to my laptop screen. Built Bar, if you haven't tried them yet, they are amazing. They have 18 different flavors, something for everyone. My personal favorite, Mint Brownie Delight, only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of fat. It's the perfect midday snack, post-workout snack, and it's perfect as you work on that 2021 summer bod. And the best part about Built Bars the macros, like I said, low in sugar, high in protein. It's not just the mint brownie. It's all 18 flavors. So check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's time for our favorite time of the week here on Locked on Bengals, where you get to ask us questions in the midweek mailbag. Make sure you follow on Twitter at Locked on Bengals and get your questions in each and every week. And Jake, before we get to the questions, I have one of my own because obviously we're talking about Zach Taylor's future and who the Bengals should potentially hire to replace him if they do move on from him this offseason. We don't know if they're going to or not. 
So Andy Reid's probably the best head coach in the game right now. Might be, and it, it, maybe he's second behind Belichick, but he's certainly having the most success right now. He's the reigning Super Bowl champion. So would you, if you're the Bengals, give up the third overall pick, assuming they stay put for Andy Reid? Absolutely. My, my question would be, how many first-round picks do the Chiefs <laughs> want for Andy Reid? And I will scramble to give them up to you because my confidence in Andy Reid to build a team around Joe Burrow with a bunch of second-round picks and a bunch of room to, to maneuver in free agency with his clout and his credibility is sky high. My confidence in Andy Reid to change the culture in Cincinnati and change the organization in Cincinnati if he were to somehow get there given his experience in the NFL, very high. Uh, assuming he wants to do it and wouldn't just retire. That that would be the risk. You'd have to call his agent, right? And be like, all right, we want Mr. Reed. I wouldn't even call him Andy. We want Mr. Reed, the third overall pick. We have a deal done with KC. Are you sure he's going to come in and be willing to coach us? And, and also, can- here's an organization. Here's a stake in the organization, right? Like <laughs> here, here's some Here's some equity for Mr. Reed to incentivize him and uh, give him a reason to really try hard in Cincinnati. Also will move any Kansas city barbecue chefs. He wants to Cincinnati to make sure he's got access to that good KC barbecue. He's a big burger guy. So you would get him some unlimited zips, some unlimited Oakley pub, maybe unlimited Gordo's. These are some local Cincinnati burger spots that I, I suggest you try if you haven't yet. And I know I left some out, but uh, yeah, those are, are some of the top ones. Andy Reed, we're making a case. Come to Cincinnati. Our first listener question, James, I, I do like thinking about Andy Reed. He is my favorite coach in the NFL right now. I just, mm. The things he could do with Joe Burrow, man. I'm just saying. Anyway, our first listener question comes from Sparkin31 at Sparkin311 on Twitter. It's a season of giving, James, and one of our division rivals is giving us one of their players. Just one. You can pick one. Who are you taking based on needs, free agency, potential draft picks? Sparkin says he would take TJ Watt as the hardest position to draft or get a free agent. And it would piss off Steelers fans. <laughs> I, I like TJ Watt. Um, it wouldn't be mine. I would take the best player in the division. I'm trying to think if, if I'm getting this wrong here, and I don't think I am. I, it would be Miles Garrett for me. I, I would get Miles Garrett. I would put him on one side, and and you have just this stud game wrecker type edge rusher. And I think he's better than TJ Watt. So that, that would be my answer. I wish he hadn't specified players so that I could say Bill Callahan and, and take the Cleveland Browns offensive line coach and the father of the Bengals offensive coordinator. But since I am limited to players and you said Miles Garrett, and we've talked about TJ Watt, some of the other guys I would consider Jack Conklin because they're desperate for offensive line help. Uh, David DeCastro, maybe, although much less so. I think Marlon Humphrey would be very attractive from Baltimore. You guys know how I love my corners. And I think that's it as, as I think through it, Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe, but like if you have Jesse Bates, do you have a great use for Minka Fitzpatrick who I think? Yeah. I mean, there's the deprived, there's the deprived Pittsburgh aspect of it that I like. I do like taking things away from Pittsburgh. 
Denzel Ward? No. No. No? Interesting. I would, I, I would rather Marlon Humphrey, I think. What about Brandon Williams in Baltimore? If we're going interior defensive line, the, the thing he would have going for him, I guess, would be age because the guys in Pittsburgh are much better. There's also Sheldon Richardson, but, I mean, he's probably not as good. Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they don't they don't move the needle quite as much. I mean, Cam Hayward, very good. Yeah, I'm Miles Garrett all the way. And the more we're going through it, it's like, yeah, I still, I'll stick with Miles Garrett. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's very reasonable. Next question comes from Hank Nizzle on Twitter. He asks, do the Bengals keep Ryan Finley? We've seen what he can do these last two seasons, and it isn't much. Or do they go out and find a veteran to back up Joe Burrow? Also, I ordered some built bars. They're not here yet. Was this a good move on my part? Well, James, uh, I think we can both agree that the built bars was a great move. Good job, H Nizzle. Hank Nizzle. H Nizzle. I don't know which one you go by. One's your handle, one's your bolded name. Anyway, do they move on from Ryan Finley? I sure hope so. I think at this point, at last year's point, we saw that he is not an NFL tier quarterback. He topped out in college when he was like a 30 year old playing against 18 year olds or whatever it was at NC state. I just think that when you see one game of him, a half game of him, and then you decide, you know what? Brandon Allen gives us a better shot and they're right. And and this week, if Brandon Allen can't go, I don't think it should be Finley. I think it should be Hogan because I don't think Finley really gives you a shot. So if that's the mentality, I don't see how he survives this offseason. And the reason you would keep him is because of COVID and you, you need someone to play quarterback. And so you just keep him in the emergency case. The moment they picked Brandon Allen over Ryan Finley, it was it. It was, it was done. done. Yeah, it, that, That's it. Now, once you make that decision, you're saying Ryan Finley can't get it done and it's over. And this guy we signed in August that hasn't taken any reps at all. And he's been our COVID emergency quarterback. He's our guy. And, uh, and so who knows, you know, if Zach Taylor sticks around, I wouldn't rule out them sticking with Brandon Allen as the backup. I would go out and try to get a veteran. A lot of you are probably thinking Ryan Fitzpatrick. What I would say to those who say that, why the hell would he leave Miami? It's a great situation for him. Why wouldn't he just stay there, even though he's going to be a free agent, but there are certainly going to be veteran quarterbacks available that are. Uh, looking for th- this type of job where maybe they get a shot to play depending on Burrow's health. And if not, then they're, you know, playing behind a, a quality young quarterback. So I-, I agree. I think the verdict is in. And then if Taylor is out, there's no chance in hell Ryan Finley's back. I mean, it- his only chance is if Taylor survives and and he shows up and does well this offseason and, and kind of has some good workouts because it has been brutal. I mean, when he came in against the Cowboys, it was awful, 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 awful. He just doesn't have the processing power in his brain, and he clearly doesn't have an NFL arm. There's just not a whole lot that makes me think Ryan Finley can succeed as an NFL quarterback. James, our next question comes from Bengals Gonna Be Okay. At Bengals are okay on Twitter. He says, I know we have a bit of breathing room in the draft, but just for fun, would you rather the Bengals beat the hell out of Pittsburgh this week or pick third overall? Basically, the question is, would you rather win versus Pittsburgh if that meant dropping you to sixth in the draft or pick third overall? The beauty of them beating, and, and just real quick, I'm going to preface it with a disclaimer. The beauty of them losing to the Dallas Cowboys is that if the Bengals do somehow win one of their final three games, 
it won't drop them from third. So that's why that was such a crucial loss. But in this hypothetical, obviously, you know, it does. And and so to me, it's simple. I, and I don't know about you, Jake, but I don't talk about Zach Taylor and saying how he's not the guy for my health. I say it because I believe it. And the verdict is in. And I know a couple of weeks ago, I really, tr- I, you know, I was at least trying to tell myself to give him a chance. Well, the chance is gone. I, I've seen enough. And so if they beat Pittsburgh, I think he is back. But I don't want that to happen because I think I know the the answer to the Zach Taylor experiment. I think we have the answer. And it's not good. It's a failure. So call me this pessimist. Call me this meanie. Call me this jerk who doesn't want the Bengals to beat their big rival that has, has trampled on them for years and years and years. But I'd much rather pick third and, in my mind, have a chance at a new coach, not one that's only won four games in two seasons, versus somehow pull off a miracle win against Pittsburgh, lose draft spots, valuable ones that could cost you Sewell or whoever else, and also have another year of Zach Taylor at the helm. I agree with that logically, but my heart just says beat the shit out of Pittsburgh whenever you can and be damned with the consequences. If you can, if you can beat Pittsburgh 40 to zero, which is what I'm imagining in this scenario. Oh my God. You take it. That's what he said. He said, beat the hell out of Pittsburgh. And I'm never passing up that opportunity coming up next. We finish up our mailbag with some questions looking toward the off season, because that's where all Bengals fans are looking right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. James, we're on to the last segment of this week's mailbag. Did you know there's only two more regular season mailbags after this? This season has flown by, dare I say it. I I was thinking about it the other day, and the season really does go fast. And I know it isn't what any of us expected, and I think we're expecting more wins and things like that. But it's almost over. I mean, Christmas is less than two weeks away. It's nuts how quick things have gone. NFL season. Staying on track in the COVID year, time has been a vortex for many, many people, myself included, working from home quite a bit. And really, I don't know. It's it's been a weird year for everybody. Our next question, though, not very weird. Keith Gabbard at the Who Day Kid 58 on Twitter wants to know, who would be your top three wide receiver and offensive line prospects from free agency and the draft combined? So, if it's Taylor Moten and Penny Sewell for offensive line, for example, Allen Robinson, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver, for example, who are your top three guys, James? And, and how would you prioritize them? So, so, so let's go top three in terms of who you would like the Bengals to target in order at these positions. All right, let's start with offensive line. And I like proven. Right. I like guys that have shown something. And Taylor Moten has, has certainly done that over the past four years. He's been graded 70 or higher from pro football focus in all four of his NFL seasons, 82.9 this year. So uh, overall grade, like I'll take that all day long. And so that would be my number one, a proven guy. Say what you want about Penny Sewell and 
he's a can't-miss prospect and all that stuff, but we still don't know. So it would be Moten, then Sewell, and then I know we had Brad on on our Tuesday show, and he talked about, you know, the the interior line and valuing that and all of that stuff, but I'm still going to say Joe Tooney because, again, the proven aspect of it. Earlier in this podcast, we were talking about how you have to be aggressive. I don't want to wait around and and, and wait for development and, and hope for this offensive line. I want them to fix it this offseason as best they can. And so those three guys, if you somehow get two of those three, and Sewell is probably in there, Bengals fans, so so chill out. They're going to probably have to – if they shell out money for Moten or, or Tooney, they're probably going to have to draft someone because they won't be able to shell out money for both. Uh, I think that that would, uh, that would be a home run. As far as receivers go, I'm going to pretend that they did take Sewell. And so if they do take Sewell with the third overall pick, then to me, you're probably going wide receiver and free agency. And so Allen Robinson is topping my list. I think he would be such a great number one type receiver man for Joe Burrow, complimenting T. Higgins well. Certainly Tyler Boyd fits in like a glove. He can get downfield. He can get up. He can make contested catches. He is a true one and maybe T. Higgins develops into another one, and you got Tyler Boyd as one of the best slot receivers in the game. That being said, what if they do go the, the free agent route at guard or go the free agent route at tackle with Moten and Tooney, and they want to draft a receiver? I think it's Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, and you, know, you, you could go back and forth either way. Smith's production is crazy. I think he's going to hit the ground running. And then Waddell, the speed, 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 speed. And I know he's injured right now, but I, I love him too. So uh, Jamar Chase outside looking in, Kenny Galladay, all those other guys from free agent to, to rookies on the outside looking in, plenty of options. But if I had to go big three, that would be the big three. And obviously if you get Smith or Waddle, it's because you didn't draft Sewell in the first round. Yeah, the thing about all those guys is just like you said, James, they're, they're only going to get like one of them, most likely maybe two if they're very aggressive in free agency. Allen Robinson would be fantastic. I mean, there's some very good wide receivers available. I mean, we've talked about Curtis, uh, Curtis Samuel from Carolina quite a bit. You know, the only name I'm surprised you didn't mention is Trent Williams, your boy. <laughs> I just think he's like, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going back to San Francisco. And I, I don't know why, maybe because they traded for him or because it's the organization. And I think John Lynch is going to get it done. But I just assume he's back there. But yeah, if he's available... Sign me up. I, I'm down. Um, I would I would prefer, though, Taylor Moten over him because he's younger. I think he's still ascending versus a guy like Trent Williams who's you know in his 30s, has an injury history, but is still playing at a, a really, really high level. Next question is from Reese Tolliver, rtoli22 on Twitter. Jake, he asks, if the Bengals do look to trade down, who do you think are teams they should look to partner with who are also looking to move up and offer good value for the Bengals? This was a lot easier before the Bears won a game or two, like a few weeks ago when the Bears were sitting as a really bad team. I was looking at the Bears pretty hard. Now you look at the top six, because I wouldn't really want to go much further than six, seven, or eight. And you see the LA Chargers there. You hold the pick hostage. You hold Penny Sewell hostage from the Chargers. You say, you can have Sewell, but you're going to have to trade us some material or it's a quarterback. And if it's a quarterback, which is a more likely way, that's the thing that teams generally trade up for. Then I think you're looking at Carolina 
Carolina's at six. They're four and nine. They've got Matt Rule, a relatively new head coach. They've got Joe Brady in there, assuming he hasn't gone on to become a head coach somewhere. They're going to want to get a quarterback this year. Now, you might look at the teams ahead of them, Dallas, LA, Cincinnati, and think, well, none of them are taking a quarterback. We can sit here and be comfortable. But as we've learned, you know, if a team like San Francisco says, "Ah, you know, we're done with Jimmy G. We're ready to get one of these quarterbacks this year. We really like him. We're at 12 this year. It'll be cheaper to trade up than it would be if we were in the 20s as we have been in previous years. So a team like San Francisco could aggressively move up. A team like Denver, even though Drew Locke just had a really good game, could aggressively move up. Chicago could aggressively move up. So I would be looking at Carolina here in terms of fitting how far back I want to go and a team that that has a need for quarterback that, that might be interested in moving up. And I think moving back becomes even more likely, Jake, if you do get Taylor Moten, right, and, and you're able to sign him, well, then maybe you do eye a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell, and you you trade back a couple picks, and you're still able to, to get that guy without reaching for him at three. Maybe you get him at six or seven, and, and you're able to, to get that top talent. So uh, I agree with you that that's, that's about as far down as you want to go without missing out on the, the really elite prospects in this draft. Our next question comes from Stephen Lilly at Stephen R. Lilly on Twitter. He asked you, James, about a fear. He says, how do we, Bobby Hart aside, even know what we have or need on the offensive line with Jim Turner as a head coach? Maybe Mike Jordan and Billy Price would be good if, you know, Jim Turner wasn't around. What do you think? Billy Price came in and obviously had a different coaching staff at first and struggled. And part of that was due to injury, but he's shown no real signs of being what you drafted him to be. And look, it's all about circumstance, right? Achilles Smith might have been better in 99 had he had different coaching staff and a you know, different offensive coordinator. But the reality is what it is. And, and so these guys, you can't wait for. I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, it's it's really the same thing with Taylor as it is with these offensive linemen. You have to find solutions to your issues now. You can't wait and see if these guys solve the the problems. And and that doesn't mean you cut Jordan by any stretch, but he definitely shouldn't be a starter on opening day 2021. I often have wondered, and I tweeted this yesterday, James, how different could this year have been if the Bengals had managed to go get Bill Callahan to coach their offensive line? You look at what he's done in Cleveland. They've arguably got the best offensive line in football. He is a known quantity as an offensive line coach. He was connected with Zach Taylor and the Bengals. He was Zach Taylor's head coach at one point. He was connected with the Bengals when they hired his son. And, you, you know, you want to do nepotism. It's everywhere in the NFL. It's who you know, not whatever. You know, how, how do you not get that done? You know, there was Washington to give you permission the first year. Fine, whatever. He became available. Your Mm -hmm. offensive line was awful. And I don't know if it was even considered. And instead he goes to Cleveland, which, you know, has the most predictable ending ever, I guess, for Bengals fans. Although Cleveland has been much maligned. Now they're largely successful because of that offensive line, because of that run game that Callahan has designed. And Baker Mayfield having his best year. Uh, largely helped by a couple of excellent performances against the Bengals, but also because that offensive line is giving him all the time in the world. And so I just often think about how different this year could have been 
if if Bill Callahan was in the building instead of Jim Turner. And I put that on. <laughs> it keeps coming back to Taylor. Who's friends with Zach Taylor, right? He was already committed to Jim Turner, and that's probably – and I'm not necessarily knocking this, but he's probably a loyal guy. We know the Bengals are loyal as an organization. They couldn't get Callahan uh, when they wanted to in 2019, so they're like, okay, well, it's offseason 2020. We're sticking with this offensive line coach. We are, already have a system in place. We're going to get our guys. And the worst part about it is if they would have brought in Callahan, obviously it's a coaching upgrade. But I think he would have also said, hey, guys, we need to upgrade the talent and not just go get Xavier Suofilo and draft Akeem Adeniji. I think they would have been much more aggressive in addressing the trenches and addressing the offensive line and adding talent and free agency in the draft. I think you're absolutely right about that. The self-evaluation with a guy like Callahan coming in would have been, oh, no, we're not doing this. Maybe I'll see him real quick. I mean, not having an off-season program does make it really hard, but look at the overhaul that just went that just happened in Cleveland. I mean, they they overturned a lot of that. Wyatt Teller took a huge leap forward. Their offensive line just performing great. So a lot of thinking about what could have been with, with a guy like Callahan. And this kind of ties into another question. Justin Sweeney, 19 on Twitter, asked, like, how how different would perception be if they were five, two, and one in those first few games? If Taylor closed and the Bengals closed those games, I mean, we'd be talking about a guy that, hey, he showed promise with Burrow. They won those close games. They they flipped that script. They showed that there was regression to happen. And, you, you know, there's a lot of what ifs. Unfortunately, that's just not the world we're living in right now, where instead it's two, 10, and one. And as the Bengals players and coaches keep telling us, it is what it is. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with the Thursday crossover. Your favorite Chris Carter from Lockdown Steelers joins the Lockdown Bengals podcast as we look ahead to the Bengals second matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're playing them on Monday Night Football. So that is some sort of excitement. Did you hear ESPN try to sell that Pittsburgh Cincinnati Monday night football matchup next week last night. Well, that is the matchup that we will be previewing and looking forward to for tomorrow's episode. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.